Debbie Georgiatis, welcome to America Can We Talk. Today we're going to be talking about the fallout from the Mueller report. Senator Graham and former CIA Director Brennan weigh in. Also, what should accountability look like for those who cooked up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax? Sidney Powell will be joining us. All charges dropped in the Jesse Smollett racial hoax case. Definitely got to talk about that. And last, if we have time, the president's executive order on free speech on college campuses. I love it. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk. Yesterday we talked about the Mueller report having been handed over to the Attorney General and the Attorney General in turn, Mr. Barr had written a letter to Congress with a summary of what was the what were the findings in the Mueller report. Two things I want to share in this first five today before we turn to an interview with the amazing, the author of License to Lie, and she'll be with us on phone, Sydney Powell. First, there was a, I'm going to show you a short clip of a statement given by Senator Lindsey Graham. He's the Judiciary Committee chair now, and he is talking about what his view is of the, um, some things falling out for the Mueller report fallout. Here we have Senator Lindsey Graham. The FISA warrant process was abused for political purposes. Whether or not a counterintelligence investigations was opened up regarding the Trump campaign as a backdoor to spy on the campaign. I still to this day am at a loss to explain why nobody went to President Trump to tell him there may be some people in your orbit that are connected to the Russians and working with the Russians. A counterintelligence investigation is designed to protect the entity being uh, uh, targeted by a foreign power. That is such a great point he is making. If the investigation early on was innocently started out of genuine concern that Russians were trying to infiltrate the Trump campaign, trying to impact it, then the FBI should have given heads up to the president, to his team. They didn't do that because, in my opinion, the effort of that investigation was not to help or protect President Trump. It was on the mission that was then ongoing to try to, in some way, diminish or destroy his potential to ever be able to win the presidency and to serve as our president. So. That was the, so Lindsey Graham is saying he is, we're going to, we're going to ask Sidney Powell she thinks about this, but Lindsey Graham is saying we need to look into the origins of the entire Mueller investigation, how the whole thing got started. I think he's right. Um, I'll be curious to hear what Sidney Powell thinks. Number two, one of the major players throughout this whole investigation uh, into President Trump, the Mueller of uh, Trump-Russia collusion, 
was former CIA Director John Brennan, who has repeatedly, if you follow his, which I do not, but if you follow his Twitter feed, you will see is the nastiest, accusatory, ugly things regularly spewed out at President Trump. One of the most recent ones was just a few days prior to the Mueller report being released, in which John Brennan essentially said, you know, they're going to get you. I can't wait to see what they're going to find. All sorts of language, really almost giddy with excitement with the idea that Mueller was going to have uncovered some major wrongdoing on President Trump's part. So I want to play, uh, John Brennan is singing a different tune these days, play, play a brief clip of John Brennan, former CIA director. Well, I don't know if I received bad information, but I think I suspected that there was more than there actually was. Um, and I, I am relieved that there it's been determined that there was not a criminal conspiracy with the Russian government um, over our election. I think that is good news for the country. And so I still point to things that were done publicly or <clears throat> efforts to try to uh, have conversations with the Russians that were inappropriate. But um, I'm not all that surprised that uh, the high bar of criminal conspiracy was not met. Um, I am surprised at that second part of obstruction of justice in terms of how it came out. I don't know whether or not Bob Mueller wanted the attorney general to um, pronounce on that issue, or whether or not Bob Mueller felt that it would be best for Congress and American people to determine whether the weight of the information uh, indicates that uh, Donald Trump uh, did try to obstruct justice. So uh, there are some surprises there, and that's why I think getting to the full Mueller report is the best way to get some of these, if not all of these questions uh, answered. John Brennan still wants to get President Trump. He is deeply hoping that something in the full Mueller report will either leave enough questions open or else will leave some accusations that he can embellish on and, and continue the attack on President Trump. He is a little bit rebuked. Brennan's a little bit rebuked, a little bit apologetic. Didn't say he apologized, but a little bit apologetic, but still holding out hope that somehow the Mueller report in full will give him some grounds to continue attacking President Trump. Truly disgraceful conduct by a former head of the CIA. That's today's First Five. And now we're going to turn to an interview with Sidney Powell, whom I believe we have online. Hey there, I'm so glad you could join us. Uh, and Sydney Powell, uh, you know she's been, our listeners, for our listeners, been in our show many times. She is a the author of License to Lie, a former U.S. attorney. A She is a regular go-to expert on the Mueller investigation, has been following it from the beginning, uh, speaks regularly at all sorts of news shows around the country. So I'm grateful to have her uh, here joining us today. So to start with, Sydney, I'm going to guess you have at least read Attorney General Barr's letter summarizing the Mueller report. What's your kind of overall takeaway on what Barr said in that letter? On obstruction of justice and the fact that he goes on to equivocate and refuses to exonerate the president on obstruction is ridiculous because if he had found evidence that would have warranted prosecution, he would have said so, and he did not. So it should have been a full stop right there, but instead Mueller's politicized the whole thing, uh, passed it off to, to Barr, but at the same time said there's nothing to prosecute. So that's really the end of it, and should be the end of it. Because if there's nothing to prosecute, then there's there's nothing to move forward on, and that is tantamount to an exoneration. I, I 
I hear part of what you're, I'm agreeing, of course, with what you're saying, but I'm hearing that kind of same reaction I had. I think I'm hearing the same. It just it would have been a little clearer and a little stronger had Mueller just been able to make an affirmative final. Uh, he, he almost had a begrudging. Well, I looked as hard as I could and I couldn't find anything. But at least he acknowledged, yes, he couldn't find anything to uh, that justifies prosecution of President Trump. Um, I also noticed that he in the letter Barr commented that the um, the report or the investigation by Mueller was really thorough. I thought that was a great point to make. Oh, Lord, yeah. I mean, he did anything he wanted to do, pursued any lead he wanted to pursue, ran roughshod over the rights of countless people, dragged everybody who worked in the White House through untold hours of interrogation. I mean, it was just appalling the lengths to which he went to try to get information from anybody and everybody and the pressure he put on people to say whatever he wanted them to say. Yes. And still got nowhere. Still got nowhere. And yesterday we talked in the show about how the pressure to turn, to try to turn someone against President Trump, someone in his circle, turn them against him, try to get those people to say something that would lead them down the path of, of getting uh, President Trump, but did not succeed. I want to turn to ask you, though, so this... We've talked many times, but this entire investigation by by a special counsel Mueller has just captured the headlines for since before President Trump was sworn in. Has been the endless fodder for discussion in the Democrat talk shows and, and, and liberal talk shows. And what was uncovered in part was the efforts behind the scenes within the FBI and Department of Justice to begin this whole process to start with, to get the inv Russia investigation going. And they've seen many players involved inside the FBI and out seem to have engaged in conduct that was designed to create this whole conspiracy against President Trump. So is there more action that should be taken? Like, what is it we can do to find and hold accountable those people who got this whole hoax, uh, Russia-Trump hoax, started? Well, I think Attorney General Barr is going to have to create a special task force within the department to pursue and determine exactly who was involved and what. A good start for that is going to be the report of the Inspector General that should come out sometime within the next few months on all the FISA abuses. But the Inspector General does not have subpoena power or grand jury authority. So that still is going to need to be done. And there are still people in the department and the FBI who had a significant role in creating this whole mess that need to be ferreted out and held accountable. Let's just start with a few of them. I, I could not agree more. Start with a few of them. What about Peter Strzok and Lisa Page? Do you think their conduct or their what we're aware of in their text messages indicate, does it give you enough information to say there should be more of an investigation of their role? Oh, definitely. <clears throat> and there were other people like them on the team. In fact, it, I would say that most everybody that was involved in Crossfire Hurricane morphed over onto Mueller's special counsel task force. And we also know that Andrew Weissman and an uh, attorney by the name of Ahmad were running the back channel with Bruce Orr and Christopher Steele with the FBI and DOJ when they had absolutely no business being in that uh, chain of uh, information at all creating this field dossier and fabricating the whole thing from a whole cloth and they went on to special counsel's team so the entire Mueller 
task force and everything Ahmad and Weissman touched should be dismissed for egregious prosecutorial misconduct. In addition, we've talked in the past about uh, Mr. Comey's role in all of this and his when he uh, was fired by the president and then became the most outspoken former, uh, you know, outspoken as he has been. Is there legitimate justification for Attorney General Barr to investigate anything further with respect to Mr. Comey's conduct? Yes, he definitely made false statements to the FISA court. Those are serious, serious offenses. I mean, Michael Flynn is facing prosecution for that, for something equivalent. And Comey knew better. He wasn't set up like General Flynn was. Yeah. He knowingly signed a warrant application that he swore was verified when he jolly well knew it wasn't. Okay, so if we had uh, Attorney General Barr go go forward and appoint a special task force, what does that involve exactly? Would it mean that you have to find an outside, a similar to Mueller outside special prosecutor to investigate? How's that work? No, he can just choose some people from within the department, or he can hire some new people uh, and bring them into the department to do it. Uh, it can all be run from within the Department of Justice, but I would encourage him to put some new blood in there, some people with an independent perspective that aren't tied to the swamp. Oh, I love that idea. This special task force idea, would that be inconsistent with or, or you know, Senator Lindsey Graham, the Judiciary Committee Chair, has said there needs to be some investigation. I think he even used the expression, someone, someone similar, we have to find a Mueller for this, but someone similar to Mueller to investigate the origins of the Mueller probe. You think the Senate should try to get involved in asking for that kind of investigation? Is, is Lindsey Graham on track here? Well, I would not want to see the Senate committee to try to do it. I mean, anytime Congress does an investigation, if the if the Department of Justice is really going to do it, it's much better left to the Department of Justice. You know, once politics gets in the middle of it, it just makes a circus out of it. But hopefully the Department of Justice under Bill Barr will do something about it. They've got to, to restore any semblance of the rule of law and restore any semblance of integrity to the FBI or the Department of Justice. I mean, there's still people there that sign these bogus FISO applications. Yeah, there certainly are. And, you know, Mr. Barr, I have to tell you, I was concerned when he was uh, named, uh, nominated uh, to be attorney general, that whether he would get tough with uh, what all of us seem from the outside to be observing, which was the entire uh, Russian dossier, which gave rise to the FISA warrants, gave rise to spying on uh, the Trump team, ultimately, that that really was a very troublesome thing. And it was of concern that uh, Barr questionable whether Barr was going to be tough enough. So, so far, has he, the way he's handled this Mueller report and how he summarized it, do you think he sounds like he's going to take this this on? I think he will. So far, I'm very encouraged. I sure am, too. Well, Sydney Powell, I love when you're in studio with us. Uh, my second choice is love having you online. I so appreciate your joining us today. And uh, you know, if you have any final thoughts or comments about the Mueller report uh, going forward, what should happen, love to hear them. Okay, thank you very much, Debbie. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. And I also hope Attorney General Barr is going to uh, unredact the names of the three private contractors that Comey gave illegal access to the raw NSA database to. We need to know who those are. And it went back as far as 2015. I'm betting one of them was Fusion GPS.
I'll make that bet with you. Sydney Powell, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, that is Sydney Powell. She's the author of License to Lie. She is a former federal prosecutor. She has been among the stellar uh, advocates in this country advocating for America needs to recognize that what seems to have occurred inside the FBI and the Department of Justice over this, even preceding the time uh, of the of the President Trump's election, even preceding his victory in November 2016, uh, was seemed to be the weaponizing of the IRS. Uh, excuse me. Well the IRS too, but weaponizing of the Department of Justice and the FBI um, on behalf of one political party to target another political party's candidate. She has been outspoken and is very knowledgeable about what happened inside the FBI because she used to work there and she used to be, is very familiar with Andrew Weissman and his role in previous misdeeds and his role in this particular Mueller investigation. So grateful to have her join us and I this as as we have so many stories this story is not over this story is going to go on because I think she's right I think that Attorney General Barr is going to have to do something specific like a special task force to really dive in inside the FBI and get after people whose conduct was outside what they were supposed to be doing and in fact was designed deliberately to undermine President Trump as a candidate and then President Trump um, as President of the United States. So glad Sidney Powell could join us. And speaking of justice, the most amazing revelation came out today and most amazing development happened in the Jesse Smollett case. And I'm going to guess many of you stayed, followed that case and know, uh, but the short story is Jesse Smollett um, is an actor. I don't think most of America had heard of him before January this year, but Jesse Smollett um, is a black gay actor. I think he's about 36, 32 or 36 years old. And he claimed in January of, tw- of this year of 2019, He claimed in January of this year that in a very late night, in fact, early morning, middle of the night, uh, walk he'd taken out when he was in Chicago. He'd walk from a um, his producer's apartment or someone's apartment he was staying at out to get you know, food at a, at a you know sandwich place at two in the morning. That he was attacked and uh, physically attacked, and that the he was attacked by people who used racial and homophobic slurs, and uh, people wearing MAGA had MAGA M A G A Make America Great Again hats and were yelling at him. This is MAGA country, and that he was physically assaulted. It was treated, of course, as a hate crime, as an attack on someone because he is black and gay. And in fact, he said they used racial and homophobic slurs against him. That was in January this year, just a few months ago. However, um, what surely came to the realization of many in America um, was that it appeared, and the investigators discovered, it appeared that Jesse Smollett had made up this story, had in fact created the entire story as a hoax, that it was a racial hoax that he was involved in from the start. And I'm going to tell you what the facts were very quickly in case you didn't follow this story. And then I'm going to play for you the comments today made by the uh, police, uh, the chief of police, um, police superintendent, as well as Mayor Rahm Emanuel, outraged, shocked, and utterly dismissive of the decision by the prosecutors in Chicago to drop all charges. 
to just let it go, to let him move on, as they say in the left. So I want to go through, um, actually, I'm going to play those clips first. I want to start with the um, the police chief. And this guy, by the way, um, he is a, uh, he's the, um, and his precise title is police superintendent, not chief of police. He's police superintendent, Eddie Johnson. If you watch his show regularly, recall that a few months ago, right when this whole thing started, Eddie Johnson uh, came out after it became obvious to the police investigating this alleged attack that Jesse Smollett had created a hoax. He had perpetrated a hoax. Jesse Smollett had hired two friends of his to attack him and then reported the attack as a, as a, a real crime caused the police department to spend thousands of hours investigating and obviously the entire intent was to make an accusation against the you know the attackers of course but more broadly against the city of chicago uh racism and homo being homophobic so there was already a really uh punchy pungent uh press conference held by this particular uh, uh police superintendent eddie johnson um when it became obvious that this was a hoax and that they, a grand jury had indicted Jesse Smollett for perpetrating this hoax. So he was outraged then. This is now what you're going about to see a news conference today. It was because, which the, the dismissal of all charges by the authorities against Jesse Smollett, the dismissal of all charges against him was made without ever even letting the, the police chief know. So this guy didn't know this was coming. Here he's worked hours and hours. They've gotten evidence. They presented to a grand jury. They've gotten an indictment. The guy's been indicted for something like, he, um, it was um, 16, 16 felony accounts, 48 possible years in prison, which I'm not saying was justified. 48 years, I'm not saying 48 years in prison, but that was the level of indictment. And then out of the clear blue, no heads up to Rahm Emanuel, no heads up to this chief of police or police superintendent, Eddie Johnson. They learn that the authorities are dismissing all charges against Jesse Smollett. I'm going to just play first what these two had to say today. So listen, um, I'm sure we all know what, what occurred this morning. My personal opinion is that you all know where I stand on this. Um, do I think justice will serve? No. Where do I think justice is? I think this city is still old an apology. And, and let me digress for a moment. When I came on this job, I've been a cop now for about 31 years. When I came on this job, I came on with my honor, my integrity, and my reputation. If someone accused me of doing anything that would circumvent that, then I would want my day in court, period, to clear my name. I've heard that they wanted their day in court with TV cameras so America could know the truth, but no, they chose to hide behind secrecy and broker a deal to circumvent the judicial system. My job as a police officer is to investigate an incident, gather evidence, gather facts, and present them to the state's attorney. That's what we did. I stand behind the detective's investigation. I'll let Mary Manuel comment further. I'd like to remind everybody, a grand jury indicted this individual based on a, only a piece of the evidence that the police had uh, collected in that period of time. So a grand jury actually brought the charges. On financial costs, this $10,000 doesn't even come close to what the city spent in resources 
to actually look over the camera, gather all the data, gather all the information that actually brought the indictment by the grand jury. This is a whitewash of justice. A grand jury could not have been cleared. To then say, not only is the cost, the $10,000 doesn't come cost financially, but all the other repercussions of this decision it made to me, where is the accountability in the system? You cannot have, because of a person's position, one set of rules apply to them, and another set of rules apply to everybody else. Uh, you're not kidding. This, new, this uh, news conference just happened this morning, and I want to just spend a few minutes talking about why this dismissal of all charges against Jesse Smollett matters so much. To back up, so you know, first of all, what Rahm Emanuel, Mayor Emanuel was referring to, was that what the, the uh, authorities said in Chicago was that what Jesse Smollett, who had, to be really clear about this, made this allegation, a police investigation occurred where, I mean, hours and hours, it had to be hundreds of thousands of man hours, hundreds of thousands of dollars of man hours by the police reviewing security tapes, reviewing uh, any kind of uh, surveillance tapes that were available, questioning people, putting together the story, going back and questioning people again. This was not a 24-hour hoax. This was a hoax, by the way. Smollett said, reported this attack, this this alleged incident on January 29th, January 29th of this year, 2019. So it's just today, March 26th, wherever we have a date we're on, that uh, the, the authorities let it go. But the, he was, for a month, the police spent time trying to put the story together, all sorts of just astonishing uh, outpouring of support for Jesse Smollett. And he's a, uh, you know, that he was a victim and this is a horrible thing. Statements by people as high as Kamala Harris tweeting out right when it happened. This is a friend of mine. This is a, I think your word was gentle and good man. This is terrible, the outrage, blah, blah, blah. All sorts of support from Hollywood, from people at Fox. The television show he used to be on is a Fox show. Uh, his part has now been cut, but he, he was on a, a, a regular television show. They were defending him. Everyone's defending him. Everyone's outraged. I mean, just all of the media and publicity going on and on and on and on and on until um, they started being a little bit suspicious because Smollett had claimed he had his, he was on the phone at the time of the attack with uh, somebody he works with, I can't remember, his agent or something. And the police asked for his phone. Like, okay, well, we need to review your phone. It's evidence. You know, we can, the guy you were talking to can say he heard this. And first, Smollett wouldn't turn over his phone. And then he turned over his phone with a bunch of information redacted. And so it was so heavily redacted that the police said they, they, it wasn't sufficient for them. Um, the police then finally identified two men. I'm, I'm telling you how much evidence there was that led to this prosecution. But police identified two men on a surveillance tape, a security tape, and the two men are walking down the street somewhere near the time where this alleged um, you know, mugging occurred and finally identified the two men, two Nigerian brothers. Two men from the country of Nigeria living in America, brothers, the police identify them. One of them works with, they both know Smollett. One of them works with him. They went in, they questioned them, questioned the brothers. No, no, no. And, and I think the brothers admitted they were in the picture. That was they, that was, they were the ones in the picture, but that was not, they didn't do anything. The bottom line was these two Nigerian brothers 
actually completely confessed to the police. These are friends of Smollett's. This one of them works with him. These brothers confessed to a conspiracy. They said that they were paid by Jesse Smollett to fake this attack, to, to create this hoax with him. The police investigators told news sources they have the check. Jesse Smollett paid them a check in the amount of $3,500. Paid them a check to pull off this hoax. Police investigators have the check. The Nigerian brothers then cooperated with the police, cooperated with the grand jury, testified in front of the grand jury, told them what happened. In addition to that, they have evidence of the, um, the, the Smollett claims certain things happened, that someone put a noose around his neck. They have the two brothers buying the, buying the rope that was used in the attack. Uh, you know, them going in the store at Home Depot and buying. I mean, the, the evidence is over. It is not a case of mistaken identity. Now, you have to stop and think about this. Smollett is then asked, you know, well, we have these two people here. Oh, Smollett wouldn't come back. They kept saying we want to have follow-up questioning. We want to talk to him again. He was kind of stalling. I think he finally did go in and have a a follow-up questioning. But even they're asking him, Jesse, why would your own friends admit to this conspiracy? What is this check for? And despite all of the in-your-face frankly, irrefutable evidence, Jesse Smollett kept denying it. Nope, didn't happen, didn't do that. Nope, 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 nope. So finally the police say they're, um, this is, now they're into February, so the attack, the non-attack, happened January 29th. They reported the attack January 29th, we're into February. Police say they're investigating. Uh, they have someone um, report to the police that they, they actually saw Smollett in an elevator in the building with the two brothers. Uh, that night, Cook County. So, so this is all you know, unfolding, and it becomes obvious that they are beginning by February 20th. February 20th, Chicago police say um, Small is officially suspected of filing a false police report by saying he was a victim of a raci- racist, homophobic attack. So, moving forward. Jesse Smollett is indicted. The grand jury hears all the evidence, including the two Nigerian brothers who are telling the whole story. It goes to the grand jury. They indict him. The the, uh, case is moving forward. The next hearing date was in mid-April, was coming up in mid-April. You know, they put things, and so Smollett was arrested. He was processed, and he goes through the process. And so he's supposed to have a next hearing date in April when this morning, this morning, today, the, um, the uh, prosecutors announced they were dropping all charges. Specifically, they referred to uh, that Smollett had put up a $10,000 bond, which is, you know, just a, so you won't run away, you'll show up for trial, $10,000 bond. He was agreeing to, to uh, forfeit the bond, and that's what uh, Rahm Emanuel was referring to in the tape. Well, you know, it was that $10,000 isn't nearly enough. So they're going to, he gets $10,000 he has to forfeit. Um, and then there was reference to community service. One report said the community service, they were made reference to, well, in the past, he's done some really nice community service things. And then others saying, no, 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 as part of the sentencing of, for community service, that he's going to have to do some community service. Either way, the guy who spent had the Chicago Police Department wrapped around the axle for two to three weeks with a complete made-up story with overwhelming evidence, irrefutable evidence, people admitting what happened, the check he paid them, and today they announced no prosecution. 
he's done. He's free to go. All charges dropped. So I'm, I'm going to hit about four points about this story. Number one, I have a picture of someone I want to show you. Um, and uh, I believe my happy and wonderful producer, Matt, has him up. This is a picture of a guy named Michael Dutz. Michael Dutz. Okay. Have you ever seen this guy before? Yeah, me neither. Michael Dutz is a kid in Chicago, an 18-year-old who just in December, like a few, like the month before, we had this astonishing hoax by Jesse Smollett. Michael Dutz dared to commit, to attempt a hoax, reported to the police that his car had been stolen by three black men and that had a baby in the car. I didn't even bother digging into the details because it doesn't matter for the point I want to make today. This guy ended up confessing that he made the whole thing up and in exchange for his guilty plea, he was sentenced to three years in jail. The reason this unknown person is in jail is because he is an unknown person because he has no political clout, because he has, because who's ever heard of him, because he's not famous, because he has no connections to famous people, because he is not standing up for some left-wing cause. He's just a guy who committed a hoax that cost the Chicago Police Department a lot less money, a lot less time, a lot less effort, a lot less ridicule and criticism. But because he has no one in his corner, He's in jail. And the reason I want to put his face up, and I could have picked other faces, other stories, is this. This is what it means when we lose the rule of law in America. This is an in-your-face example of what happens when we play fast and loose with the rule of law. The lesson America will take from the fact that the Chicago prosecutors are dropping all charges against Jesse Smollett is that if you are connected, if you are famous, if you're in left-wing America, you don't really have to follow the law. Now I'd like to go back and point out, as we were talking a moment ago with Sidney Powell about people involved in the Trump-Russia collusion case. Jesse Smollett perpetrated a hoax and nothing's happening to him. He'll probably be a celebrity on the American left. The hoax perpetrated inside the Department of Justice, the creation of a lie about Trump-Russia collusion is, gives people the same sense of outrage as we all feel about the idea that Jesse Smollett committed a hoax and nothing is going to happen to him. The rule of law matters, not just to say in an abstract way that in America, you know, the same laws apply. We have a system for making laws and everyone gets to vote who's a citizen and we create lawmakers and then we pass laws. And the rule of law means the same laws apply to everyone and everyone is subject to those laws. Everyone. When you say that some poor unknown kid in Chicago who didn't cost the city nearly as much money or grief had to go to jail, but Jesse Smollett, who happens to be famous and have influential friends, he gets away with a massive hoax designed, by the way, 
Jussie Smollett's hoax was very political. It was intentionally a, an, a shot in the arm and assistance to the American left, to the picture the American left tries to create of America as a country full of racists, full of people who are homophobic, people who are intolerant. In fact, his whole story immediately picked up by Kamala Harris, U.S. Senator, presidential candidate who, as I mentioned earlier, tweeted out right away, Kamala Harris was saying, oh, this is Jesse Smollett, such a great guy, he's so gentle, this is terrible, this is an outrage. She tweeted out support for him. Michelle Obama reached out in support of Jesse Smollett. She had her former chief of staff call the uh, city, whatever her name is, city attorney with the title, someday, her last name is Fox, Kim Fox, reach out and suggest that maybe this was too tender a case that the police of Chicago probably couldn't handle it and maybe it should be passed off to the FBI. So Michelle Obama's reaching in trying to manipulate this case. But the the picture that, and I'll tell you why, why I think it's so political, why this whole story is so political. The American left does not want to have in the headlines, in the news stories, in the online, everywhere, this picture, the story that Jesse Smollett attempted and failed in creating a massive racial hoax, which was per perpetrating the lie that he was attacked and called, uh, used, people used racist, these two attackers used racist and homophobic terms against him, slurs against him. This is a story the American left wanted to kill. Once Smollett was exposed, once it was obvious he lied, he made up this whole story, the left wants this story killed. They do not want this story discussed, contemplated at the dinner tables of America, contemplated by the average American thinking, why in the world would Jesse Smollett do that? Why isn't the left criticizing him? Why are they defending him? Why would he make up such a horrible lie? This story of a racial and home of a, a hoax committed by Jesse Smollett makes the Dems and liberals look bad. They wanted more than anything. Once, the Smollett, once it was exposed as a hoax, once it's obvious to everyone with a brain that Smollett made this up, the left wants this story killed. And I'm just gonna plant this little seed. And we'll talk about this again, I'm sure. But I don't think the Chicago authorities dropped this prosecution out of sympathy for Jesse Smollett, or because they really think, as they issued a statement saying, you know, this seems like about enough, this seems enough, he, he's gone through enough, you know, he's uh, gonna forfeit $10,000 and he's done community service and he's a swell guy, blah, blah. I don't think that's why they dropped this case. I think there was political pressure on Chicago, get this story out of the headlines. I think they're very high-ranking people in the Democrat Party affiliated with Jesse Smollett who did, who did not want this story anymore in the news. They wanted it gone and they made it so. I'll tell you one last little, or two last little tidbits about this dismissal of this case today. One is the statement issued by Jesse Smollett. Now keep in mind, as everyone else with a brain in America knows, Jesse Smollett knows what happened. He knows he told these Nigerian brothers to perpetrate the hoax with him. He knows he paid them money. He knows he lied. 
instead of coming out uh, uh, after this dismissal of all charges, and he's free to go, instead of coming out with just a simple, I'm so grateful that charges have been dropped, thank you, and going home, he issued a statement perpetrating the lie. This is the audacity, the brazenness of the American left. They do not think they have to tell the truth. They are above the idea of truth existing. What only thing that matters to them is the narrative. The only thing that matters to them is pushing the lie that America is racist. They're never, ever accountable for what they do. So Jesse Smollett's statement read to the media today included, I have been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. And then he goes the whole sympathy route. This has been terrible, an incredibly difficult time. Honestly, one of the worst of my entire life. He's, he never answers, why would my friends make up a conspiracy thing? Why did I write them a check for $3,500? Why is all the evidence the grand jury uh, reviewed? Why, why, why would it all be there if nothing happened? He is right in your face, America, saying, scolding you, scolding America, scolding the police department, scolding the entire justice system, claiming to be a victim. His lawyers put out a similar statement today, a long scold of America, essentially saying, this is a terrible thing. This is what happens when we rush to judgment. We just have terrible things happen. And then, you know, pretty soon we have a, a this poor young man accused and thank goodness justice prevailed. These people, never think they'll be held accountable. They never think truth matters. They never think that all of America's watching this and they think America's gonna go, okay, well, I guess they dropped charges. I guess, you know, who knows? Maybe Smollett did. America knows, Americans are smarter than this. They know what Smollett did. They frankly know what the people inside the Department of Justice did to President Trump. Americans know this, and I, think, I do think there's going to come a day of political reckoning because this does not sit well with the American people who actually still believe in the rule of law, who still believe that people need to tell the truth, that people need to be held accountable. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. I'm on every day, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, Email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. If you'd like to communicate, follow me on Twitter at Debbie Can We Talk. If you're on this Facebook page, like the page, comment during the show. As I love when you comment, I try to respond later. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. I love your comments. I love the political conversation because really at my heart, I love this precious country. I do this show to because I am deeply concerned that America is really, it's the most precious, extraordinary country on earth, and we need to all be speaking up to protect and defend it. Again, Debbie Georgettis, America Can We Talk, talk to you tomorrow. America, can we talk? Truth about America.